We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Friday, the 12th day of August, the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams and the fan favorite, Marty Foster. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I did it again. I'm guilty of it. I apologize. I, before you even say anything, I apologize. Somewhere between iconic and psychotic, the fan favorite, Marty Foster. Marty, let's start with you. How are you? I'm, I'm fine. And by the way, listeners, I don't insist upon that intro. It's just something that Johnny has affected over, over time. Um, I'll probably get accused of cultural misappropriation here, but I'm hot, hot and wet. It's no good if you're in a jungle. It's okay if you're with a lady uh, or something along those lines. Um, it's very warm today, very sticky. Um, but it's, it's glorious. We're having a glorious, lovely summer here in the UK. Hurrah. Yeah, I did see some hay fields that were uh, up in Hampshire that were, well, it's, uh, it basically it's global warming, it's climate, it's man-made climate change. It's it's wiped out all the fields up there, as you saw. From no, the, no, uh, no, 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 no. I'll tell you what that is. It's called the harvest. Oh, is that they what They have is? harvested the 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 grain, the, the various arable crops from those fields. And because it is now too dangerous and ecologically unsound to burn stubble, um, they're just left there in that sort of tan, yellowy colour. Yeah, it's um, the same here. That's what that's what's happened. Um, it it's happens the same every here. year, grain, funny old thing. Yep, there are grain fields everywhere around town here and on the outskirts of town, and it is just brown as far as the eye can see. But the irrigation channels are all lush green, and there's water flowing through them, and everything's as it should be. But it's been, it's been an early harvest because um, they, they have monitors around the fields that, that pick the ideal time to harvest, and it's to do with the air dryness, the dryness of the air, which means that the, the grain can be stored dry. And I've seen it back home in my county of birth in Norfolk, where it's raining in one field that they've just finished harvesting as they've moved to the next, and slowly the rain's moving across. And it's a race against time to get the grain in while it's still dry. Because September for us is the start of the wildfowl season. So ducks and geese are on the list. And what we used to do is get chicken wire and get the stubble and fold it in between layers of chicken wire to make a hide. And then we'd sit in those fields where the geese come down to feed on what's left after the harvest and, and bag a couple of geese. You know, it, it's it's ecologically sound. It's us back in the food chain. Everything we shoot, we eat, and um, nothing goes to waste. So, so for it to be the twelfth of August, we've still got a, a good three weeks before the wildfowl season starts. But already the fields have been harvested. So I expect that stubble to be ploughed in over the next couple of of weeks. So that stubble's no longer there to make your hides out of. Yeah. Apropos of nothing, of course, but I just do enjoy talking about my hunting, shooting, and fishing. 
Nothing wrong with that because we're avid hunters, shooters, and fishermen here. So, I mean, that's what we grew up with. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that at all. We encourage it. Bruce, how are you today? I'm healthy and alive. Um, you know, similar to what uh, Marty was saying, it is uh, hot and sticky here as well. We just had some rain here recently, so everything's nice and green. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you guys are getting all the rain over there. Be a be a lamb, will you, and ship some across the Atlantic? We could really use it over here. But anyway, okay. Uh, go yeah. on. No, I was going to say, we're, we're due quite a lot of rain next week, apparently, according to the weather forecasters. So I shall look forward to that. And just when I was going to do more work on the boat for the fishing... Um, I reckon it's going to be chucking it down cats and dogs. Well, it's England. If it's not raining, something's wrong. A friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours uh, in the city of Leicester said that one afternoon. He says, you know, if it's not raining in England, there's something wrong. Yes, very wise man, that that guy from Leicester, um, who, I, who I got to meet face to face at last, not so long back. And it was a, an absolute pleasure. I very much doubt he listens to us, but where would you like to start? I've got a couple of things. I'll give you multiple choice here. Okay. We can start with the US side of things. We can start with the UK side of things. That's that's the first topic. Uh, and then we can choose from there. So which one do you want to start with? Because things uh, going let, on in the let's US. Go, while my interest levels are still high enough, okay. um, let's go on with the US. Okay. Um, you know, our former colony. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, we had a disagreement with that. It's it's unfortunate to say the least, is isn't it? Yeah, it's it's really unfortunate. But you know something? I think we're better off now because of it. We're dear friends now, right? We're we're dear friends. And that's how it should be. Well we were. We were dear friends. And and then the Democrats have screwed all that up, haven't they? We didn't want your tea. That that's all it was. Well, no, it wasn't the Democrats. No, no, no. That that was that was a long time ago. I'm talking now. Um, oh, recently, all that. We, yes. we had that great relationship and everyone thought, you know, UK and America, shoulder to shoulder. Okay, you've got a bigger shoulder than we have, but we've got a better shoulder. Um, and uh, and then it all got, it all, you know, the, the, the cracks started to appear right about the time Obama got into office. And um, it was... It was him who said that we'd have to go to the back of the queue for any special deals, wasn't it, when 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 Brexit came along? So, yeah, it's the Democrats that have completely ruined our special air quotes relationship. That is true. That is true. And one of the individuals that tried to repair that relationship, as much as I don't like to admit it, was... Donald Trump. He was one of those people that tried to repair that relationship. He had a good working relationship with uh, the inner cabinets of the UK and even Theresa May's cabinet, as well as uh, when she was on her way out, when Boris Johnson came in, uh, had a good working relationship with Johnson's cabinet. And then it all just went to hell after that. This is the problem with electing a populist leader because of who he is and what he's done in the past, he didn't get a very good reception here in the UK, or at least the press made it look that way and the media made it look that way. Um, and I, I found it just rude. He, still, he was still a world leader. He was still your head of state and should have been treated with respect by our country. And, and yeah, sure, there's always going to be protests about any leader. There's always a difference of opinion, one side of the coin to, to the other, isn't there? Um, but yeah, he, he came over and of course he's invested in a couple of golf courses in, in Scotland as well, hasn't he? And it all went like quiet. 
<laughs> he has, yes. And um, I'm sorry, I, somebody's just sending me um, uh, some video from uh, Sierra Leone showing me the um, anti-government riots, basically, that's that, that's going on down there. Um, take a look at this. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to to avoid your uh, your question there, but this is what's happening down there now. This is due to the cost of increasing cost of living and energy and fuel prices and food prices and everything else. I mean, the, these people are, and I hate to say it, but they're, they're dirt poor already. Um, they haven't got a pot in which to piss. You've been down there, frankly. Yeah. Sierra Leone. I haven't been to, to Sierra Leone. I've got a few friends who have because the the parachute regiment um, were in Sierra Leone, uh, along with a few others. Um, and so, so I know people who, who've been there, but they're, they're already poor. And so when it hits, it really hits hard. Here in the in the West, our middle class, the gap between rich and poor is expanding. It's almost wiping out the middle class. That as in they're they're no longer middle class. They're they're as close to the breadline as others. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you you always have a bit of a cushion, but the way prices are rising, energy costs are rising, fuel costs are rising. It's it's starting to wipe out that that buffer. So that well, that's okay. Soon enough, to, we'll have no middle class. Yeah, according to President Joe Biden, we had zero inflation last month. Zero inflation was at zero. So that's he good news. He was talking about his penis pump. Obviously, that's <laughs> what he was talking about. Last month, he had zero inflations. Um, <laughs> you know, we're a family show, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But penis is just an anatomical word, and pump. It, well, is a euphemism for flatulence in the UK. <laughs> but other than that, they're, they're just two words that are in common use. Um, so it's fine. Since you wanted to start down the road of the U.S., I suppose let's go down the road. You've seen what's happened in the U.S. We've talked about it here the last couple of days. Uh, and there is there is something else that I wanted to discuss with you. I, I talked to you on the phone very briefly about it the other day. Uh, but let's start with the raid on the Donster. What do you think of that? I've had more thought about that now. Um, I think it's been done in a spiteful, revengeful, let's stop him from running kind of way. However, um, I handle classified documents all the time, but they are digital and they are stored on a secure server. Now, I don't, or rather I am discouraged from printing anything because once it's printed, it's an uncontrolled copy. I've even got a stamp in that box down there that says uncontrolled copy. Um, So if there's any changes to the data in those documents, then it's not up to date. As soon as you print it, it's it's not it's no longer up to date because a lot of these things are live documents. The other thing is, if you print it, somebody else can get hold of it. Whereas if it's used on a secure server via a licensed, you know, human interface with a laptop, desktop, or whatever, then it's safe and it's secure. Why did he have classified documents at his home? In fact, did he have any classified documents at his home? Did they find anything? Shaking your head on on a, Go, on yeah, a, on a sorry, I was again. I'm, 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 yeah, I've got something. I'm, I've got something. I've got an e- an email going on on the other screen. I do apologize, but I have to get back to it because it concerns something else that you and I are going to be doing in the future here in just a couple of weeks. Ah. But we'll talk about that later. Go ahead, Bruce. So. Um, the thing is, okay, the media is claiming he had classified information and the FBI is claiming he had classified information. However, the files he took were all declassified by himself before he left office. They were presidential documents that were classified and then he declassified them, went through the whole process, 
and then took them to his residence. And he said, and his lawyers have said, for the departments that wanted files, uh, they would contact him, tell them what files they were looking for to put into the uh, Library of Congress or whatever it is they were, were they were storing it. He was working with them and sending in the files. Um, this raid was uh, not needed, nor was it expected. This was entirely, uh, as you said, it just to... I, I think it's more than just getting back at him. I think it's more on the lines of... It's just um, discrediting him uh, and painting the picture that he's not to be trusted. Just like therefore, Russia. therefore, if, if he does run again... Um, more then- than that, I think, too. Because when you look at the details of, of how it went down... So the his Trump's lawyer, um, she was not allowed to have a copy of the warrant at first. Um, she was required to stand like 10 feet away at first. So while they were there working, she was not, she didn't have a copy of the, the warrant, nor were they allowed to look through the documents as they always are when there's uh, this kind of a, a raid that goes down. Uh, the lawyer is allowed to look through it, uh, catalog what's being taken and uh, say, no, this isn't part of what your warrant is or it is. And so you have a catalog of everything that was taken. The lawyer was not allowed to do this. None of the information that was taken out of there was cataloged by his lawyers. So now when the FBI comes out and says, we found this document, it was classified in the in the 10 uh, boxes that we took. There's no proof. There's no evidence that they actually found it in one of his boxes that they they took. But um, so to to use a a phrase that Johnny uses quite regularly, the chain of custody is broken right at that point. And, exactly, and you, and you don't know. But so I, they can frame I, him. I, I will say this: if I were to be stupid enough to print off some classified documents, and um, they they came to search my house for those documents, um, a lawyer wouldn't be allowed to look at them either. They would have to be. Um, security cleared. Now, is Donald Trump's lawyer security cleared? Because if she's cleared up to a specific level, which I would hope that the lawyer for uh, an ex-president would be, she she should be entitled to look at them. But if she's not, she wouldn't be. She said on on the air on the on I forget which news network it was. She said that we had already gone through those files and made sure none of them were top secret or um, you know uh, wrongfully possessed. So it it was alluded to that she does have that clearance. Whether or not I I, I don't know for sure. However, uh, this, the, this the, is the, thing the bit is that she's I'm, already been thrown. This is the bit that I'm not quite grasping. Obviously. For him to be able to declassify those documents while he was still in office, he had to be probably the the author of those documents or at least signed off on them when some other staffer wrote them. And they would have been written on a White House terminal, which means that the originals are already stored. So when he takes that document you know, off the system, there is still a copy on the system. So they didn't need to necessarily find them but there would be a record of what he has taken they didn't need to even find them because two weeks prior to this they had already been there checked where the classified files were made sure they were secure and then added another padlock to the system and then left two weeks before this okay yeah, who was so the mole? It, that's what i want to know <laughs> uh-huh. who was the mole uh, and and that's the thing is it, it, it's been released that there was a 
FBI informant that uh, uh-huh. shared where all the files were and what files they had. So it was likely the one that uh, visited two weeks prior uh, to ensure they were all secure and everything. And they just so happened to raid when he was not there, when he was in New York. Mm-hmm. And they were also demanding that uh, the Marlago's security system be disengaged, the cameras be disengaged while they were there, and they were rifling through. Now, keep in mind, the warrant only said they were allowed to take the, the boxes and only the boxes. Uh, they knew exactly where the boxes were. They were going through uh, Melania's uh, clothes, her wardrobe. Uh, Eric Trump was talking about some of the stuff that they were going through, which does not pertain to the warrant at all. Um, some of the things that they confiscated doesn't sound like it had anything to do with the warrant either. But all the all the details on this, we're going to be barred from seeing. We're not going to be allowed to see this as the American public. Um, this is going to be another January 6th, uh, the BS on that. And I think that's what this was. Um, I don't think this was about uh, classified files. I I think it was about January 6th. This is breaking. ABC News is running a story right now. Listen to how they're playing this. ABC News is running a story right now. They've got a guest on who's saying that the FBI is having the anger directed towards them by neo-Nazis because Merrick Garland is Jewish. This is the card they're playing. (laughs) Oh, okay. How how, how do you... How do you try and, and, and even have a conversation with us? You, you, well, you can't. You can't. And this is this is why I've been adamant all along that religion is the anathema of humankind. Faith is one thing, but having a religion, the moment you say, I pray this way, you're an arsehat because you're, you're suggesting that the way you pray is the only way to pray. So the person, I, I take it that's the, the um, is that the, director of the FBI that's Jewish? Uh, Merrick, no, no, no. Merrick Garland, he's the attorney general, the U.S. attorney general. Sorry, the attorney general. Okay. No, it's okay. It's so, a mistake to make. So his his religion has got nothing to do with anything. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Uh, and, and so for them to, to use this um, ad hominem argument back is is just so transparent and and uh, it's beneath anyone, really, isn't it? Should be. They, they should be embarrassed that, that even yeah. tried to put that forward. Absolutely. They ought to be ashamed of themselves. But, but this is the same group of people that um, they pull this all the time. Well, you're just doing this because I'm black, or you're just doing this because I'm gay, or you're just doing this because I'm trans, or you're. Ju- this is their MO. This is what they do every time. So just doing politics. this because I like country and Western music. Yeah, it's identity politics through and through. That's that's their game right now is they're blaming everything else like they're passing it off on identity politics. If you don't like this agenda, it's because yeah. you're the usual, the racist, the hate, the hate monger, the bigot, the whatever. Right. Just pick your label. That's what they slap on you is thinking that that's going to shut down the argument. And you back off and say, oh, I'm not any of those things. I don't want to be called any of those things. That's all they've resorted to now is just name calling. That's it. Yeah, we used to say, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, that was rubbish, quite frankly. That's that that rhyme doesn't work. Um, words have always hurt people. Speech isn't violence. Um, I I was watching. Oh, I, c- I cannot remember his name, but he does a lot of the um, the 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 speeches and and talks in universities. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this faculty member who happened to be British, by the way, said, yeah, speech is violence. But, you know, words can hurt because words can damage reputations. Uh, and it's that 
that um needs to be looked at you know you you have to be able to um if someone makes an accusation you have to be able to or given the the ability to defend yourself against that ac- accusation so if someone calls you a nazi you are honor bound to defend your position how do you do that against um the attorney general and the fbi you, it's very difficult isn't it to yeah. to fight back against those kind of accusations it is it is because they run the justice department and it's been turned into this this political monstrosity and i i used the term a while back that you seem to like lawfare that's what it is they'll sue you for yeah. just about everything and they'll they'll take you to court they'll run you through the ringer and it doesn't even have to be a, a conviction of any kind as in like a, on a legitimate charge it's just enough for them to put you into the system to tie you up to drag all the money out of you and to leave you bankrupt with nothing that's it. This is what the IRS does as well. Yeah. yeah. They go after people with less than $75,000 a year. They go after them because they don't have the funds to uh, combat lawfare, nor do they have the funds for an accountant or any of those kind of things. To, uh, to that's exactly the what they are. They are low-hanging fruit. They're, they're easy, quick wins. And, that, and that's why the, the recent changes to the tax system here in the UK, recent ideas that um the tax system in the US the people that that need the um tax relief the most are not really going to get it uh it's it's going to be the people that can afford a very clever accountant and people who make enough money to have it saved offshore i mean you know when when you only make 75 100k you can't afford the kind of fees that it would cost for you to put that money into an offshore tax haven account you, because it, it just be, wouldn't be worth your while. But when you're making significantly more than that, you can afford the good lawyer, you can afford to put the money somewhere else where the tax man can't get it. And it's tax avoidance rather than tax evasion. They'll do nothing illegal. And, and at the end of the day, um, the the law is set up so that the wealthy can can do that. It's, it's their and written in a certain way so that people who can't afford the lawyers and the accountants can't take any kind of benefit from the system. You know, and and when you look at this system, you know, the last couple of days, and since we're sticking with the US here before we move over to the UK stuff and some of the craziness that's going on over there and what they're prepping you guys for, we've been talking the last few days here about this uh, fake conservative movement that we're seeing across the United States. We've been talking about that. And I talked to you on the phone the other day about this. That's when I got my days mixed up. Uh, and I thought you were coming on yesterday. And I then you reminded me that it wasn't yesterday, it was today. This is something that you've brought up a number of occasions being on here, going back years, even before this has become, how do I put it, a problem in the United States, a mainstream problem, I'll put it that way, as in the hijacking of these these um, legitimate moves by the grassroots to actually administer change at the local level. They get taken over by this Uh, whatever this is, you're going to see. I've gathered up as much as I could over the last couple of days to show you exactly what we're talking about. But this is precisely what you've been mentioning for a good number of years now on this podcast is we get these mass produced people that are just out of the universities. They have all of their education, their schooling and everything paid for. They go into these institutions, they come out and they get presented to us. And we're told these are the people you're going to vote for because these are the ones that are going to fix your problem. They're going to solve this. They're going to do that. They're going to stand for this. And uh, and this is who you need to support. It's the same thing in the U.S., except in the U.S., they dress it up like show business 
And in the UK, they don't really do that. I mean, they, they present them to you, of course, but it's not quite to the level of what I'm about to show you. But when you look at some of these events, some of these <clears throat> conservative events in the US, and I'm assuming you listened to what we were talking about the other day on this. I'm, I'm assuming you listened to that. Yes, I did. Yeah. I saw the title of the podcast and thought, oh, I better have a listen to that yeah. because I'm sure yeah. it's going to come up again. Yeah. These are the kind of people that you get thrown at you. Um, as you see, they're all clean cut and dressed up and they look like they've got makeup all over their faces and this kind of stuff. You know, you've got a couple of Congress people in there. The rest of them, it's, a, it's almost like I'm watching an entertainment show. Now, there's a couple of them on there that are actually okay. James O'Keefe, the guys over Project Veritas, that's his operation. They do fantastic work. Those are real investigative journalists. You've got Senator Rand Paul who's in there. You've got... Uh, ben Carson, Dr. Ben Carson, he's been a speaker at some of these events. So, I mean, not everybody at this event has got twisted intentions. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is, is that these people, like, were, were having this thrown in our faces, that this is uh, the so-called conservative movement across the U.S., and, and this is what we're supposed to support. And if you go to these events, like this one here, this Student Action Summit, this one just happened. I mentioned yesterday that a couple of them that have gone by, I think one that was done a few months ago, they actually had, it was a bunch of like college kids out there, which I get, okay, Student Action Summit, all right, I understand. But they've got strippers on stage and they're firing a million dollars in cash out of air cannons into the crowd. And they're tossing some energy drinks out there. And they're selling Socialism Sucks t-shirts in the lobby on the way out of the door. So, I mean, you have this. Of course, you've got, you know, Trump. You see him. He's he's appearing at these things. Uh, this is the kind of intro that he gets at one of these events. Obviously, the listener can't see this. But I know that he's a, a good friend of Vince McMahon. And anybody that knows who Vince McMahon is, he's a um, he's a promoter. That's his thing. He is responsible for building the world wrestling entertainment empire. That guy, the WWE guy or WWF, whatever, the professional wrestling or whatever. And it seems like... When I see an intro like this on a stage like this in an atmosphere like this, and he comes out, I'll fast forward here, he comes out with these uh, pyrotechnics and, and laser lights and all kinds of stuff and fog machines. And it's like, this is what I'm watching. I, I feel like I'm watching a promotion that's put on by World Wrestling uh, Entertainment, you know, professional wrestling. This is him. He's throwing uh, MAGA hats out into the crowd. And you see these big crowds that they're pulling into these things. And they're just like, the people are just, they're eating this stuff up thinking that this is this is conservatism. You see this? This is one of these events. This is turning point. Uh, th this yeah. is one of these turning points events. And look at it. It looks like it's a it looks like it's a circus of some kind. This is it, what it's a rock concert. Um, yeah. But yeah. And they've got country any... singers and rock singers and everybody else that perform there. And it's like like this is like they travel the country and they put these events on. But the thing about WWE is it's fake. It's, well, so it's is extremely. This. <laughs> so is yeah, this. exactly. It, that's what I'm saying. It's WWE is fake. Um, an, an awful lot of people like it because of that entertainment that it that it brings. But as a martial artist, I look at WWE and think, well, that would have killed him. Um, that fight should be over. Uh, oh, he's getting up. Oh, hang on. So this is this is just not real. And yeah. I'll change channels immediately. And 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 this is fake. And and these are mass produced individuals ready to um to give the the narrative to continue the narrative from either side because we've said all along left and right are two sides of a toxic coin it's only people in the center that have got any i don't know who that is 
I, I don't know who this. Yeah, I don't know who this is either. But this is this is somebody that's like one of the featured people at this event, and it's like this looks like somebody that I would fight uh, for a space in line at a Starbucks if I ever had myself caught dead there. And this yeah. is supposed to be like an icon that we look up to. This is supposed to be what conservatism in America represents. Uh, we we haven't rolled the bottom of our jeans up like like this guy. No, we have done since the nineteen seventies. But the point about mass-produced, what's the word, stovepiped. They're stovepiped into political positions. That's an interesting way um, of putting it, yeah. With their degrees in history, politics, and economics. They've studied it. They've achieved a really high-level master's doctorate, whatever, in, in those studies. But if I want someone to, let's say, repoint my brickwork, I want an experienced bricklayer someone who's done the job, um, who knows how to do it as well, obviously, not someone who's read a load of books about it, because there's all kind of haptic and dynamic things that are going on in any kind of job. So if that, that job, in this case, is politician, and you want to apply good business sense to the way in which your country is run, then you need someone who's got experience of business, which is one argument for someone like Donald Trump, but at the same time, you know, he was given a great deal of money by his father, wasn't he? And it's easy to make money once you have a truckload of it. It's these people who've made themselves very wealthy from having absolutely nothing through hard work. Nowadays, most people think the way in which to get rich is to be an influencer on TikTok or YouTube or Instagram, or I don't know, uh, a lot of them are into things like neuro-linguistic programming, which is is something that actually works. It, 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 there's real evidence to show that these, these, these techniques such as modeling, which is where you imagine where you want to be and, and where you want to get to, really work in, in, in terms of coaching. But ultimately, the way in which these people get rich through NLP and coaching is to write a book about it, which then all the other people who want to be successful in that way buy. So again, it's, it's, not, really, um, it's not really doing the job. It's writing a book about it or reading a book about it that, that makes these people think they're qualified to do it, and, and they're not. Um, and we've got the evidence of that, the way in which our, both our countries, or all three of our countries, including Germany, is being run. We've got evidence that these mass-produced, purpose-built politicians do nothing but destroy economies. And, and that's what they've been designed to do, to destroy economies and to allow the destruction of the economies so that Schwab's Great Reset can happen. I don't know. I mean, I'm looking forward to, I mean, eating insects and things, aren't you? You know, the roasted... Did, I, did, did you see they're actually selling those in, uh, in Australia now at uh, uh, BP stations down there? Roasted it's crickets okay and mealworms. It's because it's so hot now. Our trash cans are already food sources. There is enough bugs and... Um, you know, larvae in inside our trash cans that, I, that we don't need to buy it from shops. We can just collect it straight from there. I don't know what's more shocking to me, the fact that that's actually uh, going on or the fact that I just heard an Englishman say trash can. I'm just doing it to fit in. I, I'm a social oh, I chameleon. I, I, I can I do see. it. I, you know. 
You know, it's funny you say that because uh, in uh, in this, I guess we're, at this point we can kind of pivot here. But I was actually showing Bruce some pictures and some video last night from Italy. And if you look at what's going on in Italy, you've got the whatever he is, uh, the prime minister, Mario Draghi or whatever. I think he's on his way out. Uh, he put his resignation. In. But uh, this is what's going on in Italy after Mario Draghi saying, and I quote, the Italian economy is growing more than expected. This is what's going on in Italy. And as you can clearly see, the Italian economy, it, I mean, that, that looks like it's growing more than expected, doesn't it? This is in Naples. I've, I've visited Naples. Um... And what you what we're seeing here, listener, are people going through discarded vegetable boxes, um, picking out whatever is 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 good to take home because obviously they they need to get cheap vegetables. So that to me, on one hand, this probably happens in every city in in the world. When a market finishes, there's always something left, and people will go through it. But it's normally one or two people. This is quite a lot of people um, forced to the quite degrading um, position of having to go through rubbish to to get something to eat. But at the same time, I, I, I'm pretty sure it does happen everywhere. Yeah, no, I, I'm not going to argue with that because, yeah, I, OK, fine. There is a lot of discarded uh, produce and, and things that businesses just have to toss out or shops well, have to toss out. You know, that, that does happen. I'm yeah, pretty sure. Is, is, is it? Italy, where the tomatina takes place, I believe so. Yeah, which is the the tomato festival. Yeah, I uh, so. and they waste tons. They do of of food. I wonder if they're going to do that this year. I highly uh, doubt when it. the tomato harvest comes in. I, yeah. I doubt they'll be throwing tons and tons of tomatoes at each other. I highly um, doubt it. Let's take a trip up to Milan. Right, you've been down to Milan. Yeah, nice, nice place. Uh, no, yeah. no. The no, nearest place to, to oh, okay. I've not been to Milan. The, the nearest place I've been um, would be uh, Firenze, Florence. Mm -hmm. Florence, yeah. Okay, so uh, this is Milan. This is what's going on there. Again, the Italian economy is growing faster than expected. Uh, this is a food line. This is a daily occurrence uh, in Milan. This is a food line that Italians are standing in each morning to get their allotment of um, a wedge of, I believe it's a. Uh, some type of cheese, whether that's Parmesan or Reggiano, whatever, uh, and they will, um, or mozzarella, what, whatever they get, uh, or provolone, and they will uh, get an, an allotment of cheese, they'll get an allotment of pasta and some bread uh, and a couple other things, and they'll be on their way. And here in the UK, we've got food banks for people who can't afford to feed their families. You know, in the supermarkets, there's there's boxes on the way out for you to put some items into those boxes for them to go to food banks. So the stuff is being paid for by someone. Also, here in the UK, they've got this policy now uh, of of offering food that's too good to throw away in things they call value boxes. So you'll pay a nominal fee for food that is going to be thrown away or destroyed if it's not sold that day. But you have to wait until later in the evening when the store shuts to go and pick these goodie bags up. And they are quite good value. You know, the food is still good. But again, it's it's not where we should be, is it? Uh, it we, we shouldn't have to be waiting for eight o'clock in the evening to know what we're going to eat that day. How can you plan a healthy diet? How can you um, make sure you stick to, you know, the right calorie intake and the right types of food if you're playing roulette, basically, and and 
you know, you can afford one of these goodie bags, but you can't afford to go and do a proper shop. So, yeah, it's not where we should be. It's good that the food isn't being wasted, but at the same time, that is not what I would say uh, is a sign of a healthy economy where you've got those kind of, of lines in a food bank. Mm -hmm. And I don't believe that the Italian economy is growing faster than expected. Uh, and quite frankly, I don't think any of our economies are. This was out of Bloomberg Europe earlier this week, uh, and I've been holding it back uh, to when you come on. But uh, this is this is par for the course. This is what we're this is what we're being told everywhere. You got to go out and buy an electric car uh, because you're going to be dealing with rising petrol prices. So to be kind to the environment, you've got to uh, have one of these things. Yet if everybody goes out and buys an electric car. What's that going to do to the power grid that's already overloaded as it is anyway? Prior to all of this push for people to get electric cars, even the British economy, and I'm not knocking you because the US and a lot of these other Western countries are in the same, the exact same position. You guys only produce at most, and this is uh, pre-COVID levels, before all of the energy prices that got out of control and everything, you guys only produce about 5% more energy than you actually consume in the UK as it is. So we're going to now put in uh, electric cars that use four times more energy to charge up than an air conditioner that you guys largely don't have across the residential air conditioners you largely don't have. Most European countries don't because the climate here is different. But this dropped out of Bloomberg Europe uh, earlier this week. The UK plans for blackouts in January in emergency energy plan. They're looking at reasonable <laughs> those you love out black as it's reasonable yeah it's re reasonable worst case scenario um and four day power shortages for people so this will affect industry and households alike um and you could be seeing rolling brownouts and blackouts across the uk in order to deal with the uh the energy crisis yeah we just before boris was elected during may's time as pm we had a deal going uh, and at the, at the end of the day, when people found out it was going to be China that was the main backer for a couple of new nuclear power stations, public opinion seemed to actually have an effect that, no, we don't want China to be that involved inside our power grid. So those those reactors, I don't think, have been built yet. Uh, they, they may have found other ways to do it, but we've got um, nuclear power and those those nuclear power stations we might only produce about five percent more than we actually need but production or output from those our, our nuclear power stations could be upped could could be increased however the argument as we've proved time and time again on this podcast and it's been proved elsewhere as well electric cars are not environmentally friendly the very fact that you've got to manufacture all these new vehicles with these 500 kilogram batteries, of which only 10 kilograms is actually recyclable. I'd like so to mention something not. to you. Yeah, no, go for they're it. not. I, I, ha I have to show you this because I don't believe you've seen it yet. This is what is called a lithium field. Uh, a lithium leach field is what it's called. And this is where they refine and make your batteries for your electric cars. Now, this is just one. Now, I, obviously, I know the listener can't see this, but you can see it very clearly, Marty. Uh, to give you an idea, if a bird lands here, a bird will die within three minutes. Imagine what this is doing to you. Exactly. For the benefit of, of the listener, you've got probably 
somewhere in the regions of this this one picture. It looks around about to be about 100 to 200 acres of ground that is completely flat. And the way in which they are leaching the lithium from the soil is to force water in. The lithium in suspension rises to the surface, then dries out into lithium salt, which is what is used inside the manufacture of the batteries. There are certain species of bird, for instance, flamingos, that live on salt lakes, saltwater lakes, and their legs become more and more encased in salt crystals the longer they stand in them. And their pink colour comes from the type of krill that they feed on, which is affected by the salt lake. But that is not a natural environment. That is a, an unnatural environment that has been created um, quite against any kind of environmental standard to produce lithium salt. And it's it's a, a blot on the landscape. There's no other way to describe it. It's It's not a nice thing and it shouldn't be happening because we don't need it. The second-hand car um, industry and market is probably one of the most um, environmentally friendly ways of doing things. Let the rich buy the brand new car and enjoy it for the three years, four years, and until it starts to need a bit of maintenance and is out of warranty. And then you let somebody else have the benefit of that car and they use it. Only one car that, and diesel, diesel engines go on and on and on. Petrol engines uh, are, are usually ruined after, let's let's say, to be fair, 200,000 miles. But a diesel engine can go on to double or maybe triple those kinds of distances. So they are they don't need to be made quite so often. Uh, and And you don't need to to make the chassis and, and so on. So the reason, and we've established this, that we're all being encouraged to buy electric cars has nothing to do with environment, it has everything to do with control, it has everything to do with the fact that the elite have moved their investments from fossil fuels into this kind of technology and this, this mode of transport. And, and now they want to sell them to us. Uh, and very soon, once they've found a way of making water more expensive, the hydrogen cell will become the, the, the next thing that our vehicles will be, air quotes, powered by. But those are actually like, I, I believe that hydrogen cars are actually something like that should have been a technology that, that should have been pursued 20 plus years ago. That's something- Gooda, like, that, gooda, are the last words of a fool, mate. That that's you're true, absolutely but that's, right. That's the way it was you're supposed to go. You're absolutely right. They should have been. But of course, that patent was bought up and well and truly hidden by the elite because it would screw up all their oil money. And uh, we, you know, I don't think I was, was I part of the, yeah, I was part of the, the podcast where you're talking about why all of a sudden there, there's, there's more oil in these oil fields that were supposed to have peaked and started to run out in the 70s. Um, you know, the, the oil is there and, and if, if anything, it should be getting cheaper and cheaper. Just a little while ago, um, refineries were paying people were paying for container ships to, or sorry, tanker ships to take the oil away. They weren't even charging for it because they had to keep their processes going and the flow of, of oil through the refinery. So they were paying tankers to take it away. This was after oil had dipped about $24 a barrel. Uh, and then it 
it went to negative. You know, um, yes, there is an issue with emissions. No, people don't want to be breathing in lots and lots of of carbon in in the air. So the moves uh, and and innovations to um, you know make emissions cleaner have happened for fossil fuel burning cars. However, if rather than buy the patent and sit on it so that nobody could use it, the hydrogen cell stuff should have happened 30 years ago, maybe longer. I would also uh, throw in real quick, since we're talking, you know, oil and gas was brought up and we're kind of talking U.S. a little bit. I just wanted to point out that um, though the president is saying there was no inflation last month in the month of July, when you look at the demand for oil and gas uh, during this month of July, um, compare it to the July of 2020, and you will find that there was less demand for oil and gas last month than there was two years ago. Two years ago, you're in lockdown as well. Yeah, exactly. you, you know, I want to I want to go a couple of ways with this uh, since we're on the topic. And since you brought that up, Bruce, I don't really care for the senator after what he's done, the standpoints he's taken um, after the uh, uh, the 2020 election. But that's a side issue that that has nothing to do with what I'm about to play now. This is Senator Tom Cotton. Uh, I had a lot of <laughs> I had a lot of hope for this guy, uh, but it all got destroyed. Now, you can argue whether or not Cotton gets his campaign financed by big oil or something. I don't know. I don't care. That's not what I'm going to play this clip for. It's relevant to both of these topics that we're sitting here discussing now. We've talked about BlackRock before. We know how much of a criminal organization BlackRock is and how much meddling they're doing. What you said, Marty, they're forcing all of this on people, right? Well, that's the same thing as a monopoly, isn't it? They're shutting down one industry through regulation in order to force us into another thing that they all have investments in. That's a monopoly by any stretch, by any measure. That's what it is. Now, you can call this political rhetoric, whatever, even if it is just political rhetoric, at least it is being said. And I have to give him credit for at least saying it, if nothing else, even if it means that it's not going to go anywhere. He's not wrong in what he says. I agree with the senator on this statement when he was on CNBC. Senator Cotton recently wrote a letter to BlackRock raising questions about the company's ESG activities, and we want to thank him for joining us. And that's where I want to go with this conversation, Senator, because you have been uh, outspoken um, and recently, as we said, just wrote this letter to BlackRock effectively saying that their policies um, and their power and influence over companies around ESG are too much. What, what's the argument you're making? And then, and then we can maybe dig into it. Okay, so first of all, before we go any further, for those that don't know, we're we're all familiar with ESG. Bruce has talked about that before. That's straight out of Agenda 2030 and the World Economic Forum. That is your environmental, social, and governance score. So that's social scoring for the corporate world. Do you have a question, Marty? So ESG is environmental, social, social governance. Yes. It's not environmental, sustainable goals. No. So okay. Those are the S. Those are the SDGs, the Sustainable Development SDGs. Goals. Sorry, yeah. yeah, I'm glad you. I'm glad you clarified so that. Sorry, yeah, please yeah. carry on. All good. Well, Andrew, what Larry Fink and BlackRock have done, in part uh, through collusion with this climate action partnership, is essentially create a climate cartel. They are trying to suppress investment in the fossil fuel industry in America. And I know you have a lot of CEOs and investors who watch. I would just say this. If you're thinking about joining this climate cartel, you better think again and you better lawyer up. 
There's a reason why America's top law firms are already advising their clients to be wary here, because this is contributing to $5 a gallon gas. And when Republicans take charge in November, I'm going to make sure that the Congress is investigating these matters. This is almost certainly a breach of these firms' fiduciary duties, probably a civil violation of the antitrust laws, exposing them to triple damages, and very possibly a criminal violation. Again, I don't disagree with the senator. They have literally created a climate cartel. I would love to experience uh, the equivalent in pounds of $5 a gallon. Uh, at the moment, yeah, me, it's yeah, two, moment, pounds, yeah. two pounds a litre. Really? Is it that uh, high? My God. Yeah, well, very nearly. It's about £1.85 a litre. Okay. So... It actually um, came down over here the last week or so. It came down, I think it was 160. I passed the station, uh, petrol station yesterday. I think it was like 167 or something. There's a, there's another word there that I have never used, uh, and it, it sounds quite comical, fiduciary. Just tell me what that means. It Your sounds like douche. I, I don't, yeah, I don't use it. it is, what I what is it? it? I have no idea. I've never used the word. I've heard it several times, but I just don't pay any attention to it. But anyway, Senator Cotton said it, and I just wondered what the hell it means. A fiduciary is a person or organization that acts on behalf of a person or persons and is legally bound to act solely in their best interest. You got right. It. There you go. Okay. So the energies com- energy companies, in what manner, shape, or form... Are they bound to act on anyone's best interest apart from their shareholders? Two reasons. I can answer that for you. Two reasons. One, because we're not in a process of improving the economy. We're in a process of transitioning the economy. And during the process of transition, where are we heading to, my friend? We're heading to stakeholder capitalism, not shareholder capitalism. Shareholder capitalism is over. Stakeholder capitalism and In stakeholder capitalism, per the World Economic Forum and per Agenda 2030 and the 2050 Sustainable Development Goals, you will abide by the economic and social governance rules, the ESGs. I'm going to buy a piece of crap land and work out how to frack it. I think that's my own, the only answer I've got. Yeah, but this is key. The figures that were shown on that piece to camera that the senator was doing, it had the the value or, or the prices of oil. And it showed how it was dropping, but the prices at the pump have not dropped. They've continued to rise. Uh, and who's who's decided that that's a good idea? Someone somewhere has said to companies that that run filling stations, this is the policy. You will get as much as you possibly can out of every consumer, even though the oil isn't costing us that much. That's why BP have announced their their biggest profits ever just a, a couple of weeks ago, maybe even same a few with, days ago. Same with Royal Dutch Shell, record profits. Yeah, so they're screwing us, and it's obvious that they're screwing us. And the good senator is pointing that that out. But at the end of the day, there is no fiduciary duty on these energy companies, on these fuel companies. There should be. It should be written into law that. The price that they are paying for the crude oil after they've turned it into, uh, you know, plus their costs for turning it from crude oil into uh, a usable petrochemical, it should be a fair price and a price that's driven by the market. But they're falsely manipulating the market, aren't they? They're making it, oh, 
there's going to be a shortage. You better all go, go out and fill up. Well, when you hear that word shortage and you go and, you know, panic buy, you're not looking at the price. You're just thinking, oh, I managed to get a tank full of gas. I'm right. okay. Right. And so how many times have we heard that recently? There's going to be a shortage. There, there's Sorry, a few. Uh, there's a few. Actually, no, you're fine. There's. I, I have difficulty with the, when it comes to oil companies, uh, maybe it's because I'm biased being in an oil state. The government has said, we're coming after oil. We're going to completely destroy your company, the infrastructure, everything. We're going to, we're, we're putting you out of business. You're on notice. And the oil companies are like, okay, we're, we're all right. We're going to, we're going to, I don't know if the oil company had the petty drive of, of, um, you know how the U.S. we we have um, put tariffs and all that on on other countries and sanctions and all that kind of stuff to try to get upheaval amongst the civilian populace to overthrow governments. I don't know if they're doing something petty like that and trying to overthrow Democrats and trying to get Republicans in because typically Republicans are more um, uh, lenient towards oil. Uh, I, that I, could, or if they're just that going could be that could be one answer, out. Bruce. By all means, that that yeah, they they it could be a political move. So we'll hike the price up. That's a effective sanction on people in the West. And let's face it, we don't often suffer sanctions, do we? It's it's the so-called rogue states that tend to suffer sanctions: Iran, Iraq, Russia, North Korea. They're the ones who suffer sanctions normally and so now we're suffering and so maybe we will get rid of our democrats of our people who are supporting the great reset so that oil can continue to be used but i personally think they realize that the gig's up the game is over and they're making as much money as they possibly can before their product is no longer required oh yeah i think and it's that, it's that common is, it is common. Yeah. If you if you couple the research, sorry, Bruce, I'll, I'll let you finish and then go ahead. I I just wanted to throw in as well the the elite are going towards these renewable energies and you know going to like wind and solar and and pushing away from oil and gas. Is it is it convenient timing that we're also having research come out now? It's been allowed to reach the public that shows that. Crude oil is actually renewing. It's not a limited resource like we thought. Is that coincidence? You know, how long did the elite know this before we did? And now they're pushing to wind and solar because they know they can no longer keep a lid on this. The gig's up on that and one so too. they're moving. The gig's up on that. How, one. how many geologists have been involved in, in finding oil? Thousands. And you'd think that one of those would have blown the whistle some time back and said, well, actually, carbon in the air seeps back through through rainfall, back into the beds, filters through, and slowly but surely, our oil deposits are refilling. Someone would have said that. And I can actually imagine that that's how it happens, perhaps. In fact, I feel more that way. It would. So how have they it managed? It would make sense. Yeah, on that point, it would make sense. I'm sorry to interject, but it would make sense if they constantly go around pushing these agendas saying we need to decarbonize the atmosphere, because if that's if that's indeed how it replenishes, we're just speculating, of course. But if yeah. that is indeed how it replenishes, and if you lower the carbon uh, in the atmosphere, the parts per million, you're not going to have that replenishment, are you? No, of course not. But at the same time, everything on, on the planet still breathes out more carbon than it breathes in. 
we breathe in a percentage and we breathe out a greater percentage of carbon. It gets turned through our food intake, our exhale. You know, you don't lose weight through sweat. You lose weight through breathing out. It's all exhaled. Fat is exhaled when you when you breathe out, when you when you've been exercising or in a keto state. But why hasn't one of those geologists said this is what's actually happening and blown the whistle? Surely one of them would have done. Possibly. Um, or are they just paid so well that they would keep there's your, there's your answer right there. That's that's real quick. If you're a surveyor for uh-huh. one of these companies, you get paid very well. Yes, you do. Sure. Yes, you do. That is true. Okay, so I want to cover two last things since we're on the, the climate thing and the energy transition and, and all the stuff, the green energy, energy agenda and all this stuff. We're over on time, but that's okay because these last two points that I'm going to bring up, these aren't going to take long. This that you see behind me, <laughs> you've probably been wondering what this is. This is a windmill that is just down the road from Bruce. This is uh, one that was struck by lightning last week. As you can see, it's caught fire. And well, it just continues to spin. And eventually here, uh, this thing is just going to catch fire uh, completely and it's just going to flop over and uh, and burn down to the ground. One thing that I didn't know, and I'm not sure if you knew this or not, Marty, but I didn't know this until yesterday. This is legit. I legitimately didn't know that these monstrosities that we put up all over the Western world to, quote, be green, you cannot recycle repurpose or reuse any of them at all. We have photos and reports of them burying miles of these things in landfills after they can no longer be used. I didn't know that no part of them was recyclable. Um, uh-huh. No, no, and, and I, I, I'll, I'll clarify the, the core um, I don't know what you call the shaft, the, the main part that's holding up the, the turbine, that would be recyclable because I'm, I'm yes. pretty sure that's steel or that's steel, yeah. you know, something like that. So but the re- that like the would be the, and... the turbines themselves, no. they're, they're not recyclable. They, they technically be- are, uh, technically, but it's so expensive, it's, it's more cost effective to bury and build a new one. I don't even know what they're made of. If they're made of aluminium, that's recyclable. So they're fiberglass. So so no, because there's no there's no way of separating the component parts again. We've been sold a bill of goods here for yeah. the last thirty years. It's 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 unbelievable what they have done. But at the same time, when you look at the size of them, to take it down, if if they needed a patch repair, I'd, I've done fiberglass patch repairs on many boats. It's an easy enough thing to do. But at that kind of scale, the sheer cost of taking that propeller down or stopping it or having a crane big enough or a scaffold big enough for someone to repair it in situ, they might as well just take it down and put another one up. Obviously, the footing, which is a massive concrete, again, which causes a huge amount of of environmental, what's the word I'm looking for? Emissions, uh, damage. Emissions. Yeah, whatever. It's damage, you know, to produce that concrete to, um, you know, you have to plant another 10,000 trees just to um, compensate for four or five of these things. Um, but when that when I heard about that one catching fire, I thought the gearing had caught fire. I didn't realize it was struck by lightning at the, yeah, the, the by blade lightning. had actually yeah. um, caught fire. I, I thought it was some kind of um, poor maintenance malfunction that caused heat through friction, not through a lightning strike. 
Um, no, I've also heard that, uh, that as you're describing, I've also seen and heard that happen as well. That does happen. I imagine that happens an awful lot more often than lightning strikes. Yeah. Because again, if it's fiberglass, unless it's got some kind of metallic coating, which it probably has, it shouldn't be too susceptible to, to lightning. Yeah, <laughs> they're not great. And for the amount of electricity you can actually get from them, they are simply not worth the effort. It's like three to four times more expensive to run one of those to generate electricity than it is to use coal, natural gas, or nuclear. Certainly on nuclear. Top of that, Nuclear's got to be a whole lot cheaper than any of yeah. those options. It's cheaper and safer uh, per kilowatt. Um, yeah. Also, uh, uh, I, I have a photo for us uh, to, to look at. But anyway, the, uh, the wind turbines, uh, they're... I've seen a cross section of them, and it looks like it's fiberglass and wood supports uh, on the inside. Yeah, I mean they have to be light; yeah. otherwise, they they'll they're not effective at all if they if they can't be moved by even a light wind. And the, it's the gearing inside the 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 nasale part of the, the the turbine. It means that they only turn at one of two speeds, no matter how strong the wind is. It only turns at one of two speeds because that's the most effective speeds to match up with the windings. Um, you know, essentially, you've got a magnet rotating in a coil, just like any kind of dynamo. And so the, the most effective speeds are one of these two speeds, which means that when you've got a really good hoolie blowing, as a reference to our friend in Leicester, it will still just turn at, at one of those two speeds and you won't get any extra benefit from a strong wind. And there we have true. a picture of... Yep, this is them bearing in the middle of the landfill. For, getting on for about, well, the stuff that's already covered up. There must be thousands of those blades mm -hmm. uh, being covered up there. So, so But hey, there between, no this, we... between this, my friend, and the, uh, and the lithium fields that you saw today, give yourself a pat on the back for being environmentally friendly. Yeah, yeah. But a while back when we talked about the sustainable development goals and uh, looked at how Agenda 2030 is trying to move industry away from the West, uh, the, the developed countries into the developing nations, such as Africa, despite it's, it's amazing how Africa is still a developing nation. It's, it's where all mankind came from. Out of the middle of Africa, that's where we we started and moved north, east, and then west. You know, the big stop at the Urals whilst all the Neanderthals died out. And Africa is still a developing, air quotes, nation. It's been kept that way. It's been kept that way by the elite. It's been kept that way because they want to rob it of its resources and not pay the people who live there what they are due. And that's why we had earlier the pictures of the riots in Sierra Leone, mm -hmm. um, other parts of Africa that I have visited where there's no matter how desperate I get, no matter how short of money I might have been in my life, I know I will never be as poor as some of the people I've seen across the face of the planet. That is but true. the point I was going to make was we hear about the rainforest in Brazil and uh, the northern parts of South America where all the logging is, is happening. Um, they have to have something else rather than that logging industry to make money from. Funny old thing, all the oil is being extracted by BP, Shell, all those kind of companies rather than their own 
local companies. Mexico has just welched on the on the deal, haven't they? I know it was mentioned when Ned was on as uh, a, a while back, and when he was on with me, when he was sat next to me, America uh, had a deal with um, with Mexico about the oil, uh, but Mexico has gone not anymore. We're keeping the revenue from it, and you can kiss my ass, so to speak. That's well said. Last point that I wanted to uh, cover here with you today before you uh, depart this evening. This was something that we discussed last week very briefly, but they struck again this week, uh, and they're planning to continue on. Uh, this week, they actually look like they got the, uh, uh, well, the, the stern talking to that they deserved for doing what they did. Uh, to go along with this climate crisis, you've got these Extinction Rebellion morons that go into these stores, these uh, vegan activists or whatever they are, uh, and they have been uh, sitting down in aisles. And these are the same people that are out there like gluing themselves to roads and airliners and hospital floors and all the rest of it. But now it's gone to another level. Now they're actually just grabbing food off the shelves, animal product food off the shelves like milk, cheese, butter, uh, poultry, that kind of stuff. And they're just dumping it in the middle of the stores. Uh, but this is them this week. They hit a Harrods in London. Uh, and I wanted you to see this. They go into the uh, the milk section and they just they're, they're clearly just grabbing it off the shelves and dumping it out right there on the floor for everybody to see. Preventing shoppers, you'll, you'll see here in just a minute, uh, preventing shoppers from going in. And you see the store employees that will come over here in just a minute uh, and they'll get in the way and, and try and stop them from doing any further damage. But uh, it just continues on until security finally, finally comes over and literally drags them out of the shop. Well, it's most satisfying to see um, security guards doing what they're supposed to do. It is. Um, I was actually watching a piece uh, which was, I think it's talk radio. You've got whoever James Whale is on these days. I don't know if you've ever seen any of, of, of his stuff. My opinion of him has changed over time, and I, I don't know if he's worth listening to or not, quite frankly, but he was talking to one of these Extinction Rebellion animal rights and peace types. And what this guy said was that um, effectively dairy products are a white racist drug. What? Well, yeah, because something like two thirds of the world are actually lacto intolerant. Uh, and those would be the Chinese, um, Asian descent, Afro-Caribbean, um, he was saying, uh, are also lacto in lactose intolerant. I'd like to know how that fits in with the Maasai, for instance, uh, who have the belief that every cow on the planet belongs to them. Uh -huh. That is their, that's their actual, as part of their religion, the Maasai people believe that cows and cattle were given to the Maasai as a gift from the gods. And when they go out on long droves with their cattle to find grazing land, the young warriors who look after, you know, basically herders, but they're also warriors. They're a warrior race as well. The only way they sustain themselves is by drinking blood straight from the cow. They don't kill the cow, but they'll tap into a vein and mix that blood with milk. Uh, and that's how they that's how they survive. But apparently dairy products are a white racist drug, according to the sort of people that we see here, um, emptying bottles of probably very expensive milk I was going to say, you've, the you've probably shopped at this exact store many times, haven't you? I've been inside. I've never been foolish enough to purchase anything inside <laughs> there. It's it's ridiculously overpriced. I've had people well, you can buy tell, me gift. 
Yeah, from, you can tell. Howard, you can tell that this. People. Yeah, of course. You, you can tell that this. This is this is going to be raw organic milk. This is not cheap stuff that they're doing. No, this this is going to be the 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 most expensive. It's probably around about 15, 16 pounds a bottle, and and each bottle looks like it holds a, a liter. So yeah, they they are uh, destroying quite a few pounds worth. I say worth. Is it actually worth that? No, it's just that idiots are prepared to pay those kinds of prices for thinking they're getting something special. But again, Harrods, uh, I don't know if it's still owned by Al-Fayed, um, Mohammed Al-Fayed, who, who was the Egyptian guy who took over Harrods. You know, it's no longer a British institution. It, it's owned by a billionaire from Egypt. Mm -hmm. So... Oh, is that young girl okay? There was the one of them. She she looks like she's totally overcome there, and is actually lying. Yeah, on she the was floor so. Yeah, she was so overcome with grief that she just uh, she she just fell over right there in the middle of the shop. And then, of course, uh, the poor security officers they're just going to have to. Unfortunately, because you know she's there, they're going to have to drag her is, right out there. Was that a, a country and western singer, or was was that a British guy with that kind of mullet? Because I've never seen that kind of mullet before. On a that British is in, that is an interesting point that you that you bring out. Yeah, yeah. See that. Well, I'm assuming that that's one of the activists. I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah, because he's got he, a backpack he on. He, looks, he needs yeah. to actively seek out a barber and get his he barber does. sorted yeah. out. He, looks he, he certainly does. This is going to continue. You know, it, yeah, this is going to continue for, uh, it looks like uh, they're going to go through September, at least according to this ad. So expect more of this. Well, I, I think I'd better avoid supermarkets and, and continue to have it home delivered because I would not be able to stop myself from uh, picking up a leg of lamb and putting it to use. You know, a frozen leg of lamb would sort those buggers out in no time. I could only imagine if you were to come across these individuals while you're out doing some of the uh, the afternoon shopping. That was um, that whole concept about the frozen leg of lamb was uh, it, it, it was the the murder weapon in one of the tales of the unexpected. So basically, the mother of the family killed the husband by hitting him around the back of the head with a, a frozen leg of lamb, and then they ate the leg of lamb which thereby disposed of the murder weapon. So, yeah, I'm, I must stay away from supermarkets until these f***ing idiots have all given up. <laughs> and we got through the night using only one bleep. That's fantastic. All right, we're going to have to... Yeah, we're going to have to go ahead and go. Marty, I want to thank you for being here this evening. For those of you who'd like to send us some feet... Go ahead. No, I was going to say it's been an absolute pleasure, and I just got a lovely smile from Bruce, so I know it's been okay. Absolutely. For those of you who would like to send us some feedback, please do so anytime by sending us an email at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. Also, do you like the podcast you're listening to? We do love having you as a listener, and we would ask you to pass this along to five friends. You know someone you're trying to wake up and get them to think on their own? We would appreciate it very much if you would send them our direction. Bruce and Marty, thank you both for being here this evening. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a great weekend, and we will see you on Monday. Good night, all. I'm up for a milkshake.